great to be with you today. You know, pastoring a church in the heart of a city uh, has a uniqueness about it. Unlike pastoring churches outside of the city, and let me explain. So we knew coming up that there was going to be a marathon race happening next weekend. And so we were preparing and making plans for how it affects. And if you've been here at any given amount of time, you know that in the summer, the Pittsburgh Marathon happens and the runners run right by our street. Well, there's another race that's happening next week. And we found out this past week that they are closing, the city of Pittsburgh is closing the exit on East Ohio Street on 279. Now, if you're watching online and you're not from this area, you may not realize how big of an impact that is, but I would say a good portion of our church who don't live in the community exit East Ohio Street on 279. And then we found out that it was gonna be closed about 10.30 next Sunday morning. So you can do, now, a lot of you who may go to church on Saturday night are like, well, what's the big deal with that? But we have a lot of people that come on Sunday morning. And so here's what we are doing. Um, and I apologize for the shortness of the communication, but it was unavoidable. So next weekend, we normally have four services. We are going to have not three, two. So Saturday evening, we are going to have church at 6 p.m. at our normal time. And here's what I'm asking, especially those that are watching online I, and maybe deciding to come on Sunday. We are going to really encourage um, a good, as many people that would be willing to worship on Saturday night at 6 p.m. And to do that, we are adding a couple things. We are going to, one, have a dinner that's going to be absolutely free for you and your families. At least I hope it is, because I just said it was going to be. <laughs> but I believe that to be the case. So from 5 to 6 p.m., we invite you to come, you and your family, and have a meal in Simpson Hall. And then we're going to gather at 6 p.m. We also are going to have children's ministry and student ministries open on Saturday at 6 p.m. so that the whole family can come together. And then on Sunday, we are going to have one service at 11.30 a.m., so next weekend, there will be no 8.30 and there will be no 10 a.m. service. There's going to be Saturday night at? And then Sunday morning at? 11.30. And so if one of those two service options are not um, available to you or easily accessed for you, we encourage you to watch online. And so thank you for your patience with us and understanding. Children's ministry and student ministry will be at both of those services, by the way, Saturday night at 6 and then Sunday morning at 1130. And we greatly appreciate it and hope to see you at dinner on Saturday at 5 and then service at 6. So here we are today in week three in the book of Haggai, and we come to the prophet Haggai's third message to the remnant of Jewish people that have returned to Jerusalem out of exile for the purpose of rebuilding the temple of the Lord. In the very first week, in Haggai chapter one, verses one through 15, we learned about priorities. And the message that God had and spoke through the prophet Haggai was that God's blessing comes, remember this, God's blessing comes when we place his priorities over our personal agendas. 
and we were reminded and saw that the Israelites there who had returned from exile in Jerusalem spent 16 years with misplaced priorities. They were working on their own houses while the temple of the Lord, God's house, remained in ruins. And we understood that if we desire to see God's blessing, both in our personal lives and as a church corporately, if we desire to see God's blessing, we must always seek first God's plans and purposes over our own. And then last weekend, we heard Haggai's second message. And that message was about perspective. And we looked at the second chapter of Haggai, verses one through nine. And the theme of Haggai's message, and for us last weekend, was that God's blessing comes when we trust his perspective over our own. 30 days had passed and they had resumed rebuilding the temple of the Lord and doing the work that God had called them to do. They had been obedient. They responded in obedience. However, discouragement and disappointment had set in with a particular group of people. And we found out that that particular group of people was the older generation, probably 75 years and older, because they had seen the work that they were doing and they compared it to what God had done in the past. And from their perspective, it looked nothing like what God had done before. And so we discovered that if we desire to have God's blessing on our life, we must not fall prey to looking back and comparing how God worked in the past and how he desires to work today. And we opened or pulled out a wineskin and discovered that the wineskin, the methods that God used in the past may not be the methods that he chooses to use to reach the next generation today. So now here we are about to discover Haggai's third sermon, his third message from the Lord, both to God's people, that remnant in Jerusalem and for us today. And this is Haggai's theme for the third message. And it's important for us as well. The third message is really about purity. And here it is, God's blessing comes when we are more concerned with the purity of our heart than the performance of our hands. You see, sin really, you can boil any sin down to disobedience to God. And when we disobey God, we sin. And sin has a contaminating effect on everything around it. And there is no amount of good that we can do or faithful service that can outweigh the effects of sin and disobedience to God. We deceive ourselves if we think that we can please God in any way apart from consecrating ourselves. In fact, God has made it clear that he will not bless any religious activity. He will not bless any sacrifice. He will not bless any offering. He will not bless any worship, no matter how expressive it is. If we are not consecrating ourselves and being obedient to God, there is a direct link between obedience and blessing. You cannot receive God's blessing if there isn't obedience. And how easy it is for us individually and even corporately as a church to become so enamored with God working through us 
that we minimize or ignore the work that God desires to do in us. How often we focus on the work of our hands rather than the purity of our hearts. And Haggai's message is that God's blessing comes when we're more concerned with the purity of our hearts than the performance of our hands. Let's go to the word of the Lord today. It's found in Haggai chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 10 through 19. Here it is. On the 24th day of the ninth month, now this is the third week we've discovered. Haggai likes dates. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil of, or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does not become unclean. I'm sorry, it does become unclean. They answered yes. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord. And so with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord. How did you fare, God asked. When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to wine to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail. Yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, the Lord says, I will bless you. So just as the previous two message, messages began with a date, so does the third. It's the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of King Darius. The word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet. And the Lord says to Haggai, Haggai, asks, ask the priests about the law. Now this date coincides with the third month anniversary of the beginning of the building project. So here we are three months later since Israel became obedient. And more importantly, it's the three-month anniversary with the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. The dedication of the Lord's temple, the foundation rather. So now it's two months since last week. Are you with me? I know we're throwing a lot of months and dates. Three, basically three months since week one of this series. And we're two months since last week's message. The people are rebuilding the temple, but apparently there are still some lessons that God wants to teach them. 
So whereas the previous message, last week's message that we talked about, were to a specific group of the Jewish people, most likely, again, those 75 years and older who were comparing the previous work of the Lord to the new one, this message that we just read begins by God asking the priests of Israel two questions. And through Haggai, God uses a very common way of sending a message or communicating a message, of getting his point across. He gives a sermon illustration, if you will, and then he applies the application. So first, let's talk about those two questions that Haggai asked the priests. Here's the first question we just read. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil of any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answer and say, no. Okay, what is the point of this question? Haggai is asking the priests, okay, priests, if you're carrying consecrated holy meat in your garment and your garment touches food that is unholy, will the holy food thereby transfer and make the unholy food holy? You see, consecrated meat, we have to think back to the time of the Israelites in the Old Testament. Consecrated meat, holy food was to be kept apart from everything else. And oftentimes when it was consecrated, the priests would carry it in the fold of their garment. And Haggai asks, what if the garment that's carrying this holy food touches unholy food? Does that mean that the unholy food is now consecrated? And the priests reply, no, pretty simple. Here's the second question. This is important to us, believe it or not. Haggai says, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. What we're talking about here is ritual cleanliness. You can go back and look in the 22nd chapter of Leviticus. If someone touched a dead body, according to the old covenant, they would become unclean. And there was a procedure, there was a ritual that that person who had contact with a dead body had to go through. There was a procedure, there was an amount of time before they would become clean. And so Haggai asks, if an unclean person touches food that has been consecrated, touches something that is holy, does that food become unclean because the person is unclean? And the priests reply, yes, they do. Okay, you got it. Basically, the message is this. Close contact with consecrated food does not make other food consecrated. But close contact with a defiled person makes the food defiled. To really break this down simply, Haggai is saying holiness is not transferred. Unholiness is transferred. I was going to bring an illustration today, but I didn't because I think you could grasp it. If I had two glasses of milk and there was one glass of milk that was spoiled and there was one glass of milk that was fresh 
If I were to take the spoiled glass of milk and offer it to you, you wouldn't drink it because it's spoiled. It pretty, smells pretty disgusting. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, let me take some of this clean milk and I just poured a little bit into the spoiled milk and I gave it to you, would you still drink it? No, because just because I added fresh milk to the spoiled milk does not mean that now all of a sudden the whole glass is fresh. And the reverse is true. If I had that fresh glass of milk and I took a little of the spoiled milk and I poured it in the fresh glass and I offered it to you, you still would not drink it. Why? Because the spoiled milk ruins the entire glass of fresh milk. Haggai's point is this. Good things that we do do not automatically make the other things good. But the bad things we do make other things bad. Good things are not a remedy for bad things. You with me on that? There is no amount of good that you can do, that you can do with your hands or perform to outweigh the sin and the bad in your life. But all it takes is a little bit of sin and a little bit of bad to ruin what is holy. So now that the illustration has been laid out by Haggai, he brings home the application to the people of Israel. And he said, then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with this nation before me declares the Lord. And then he says, and so it is with all of the work of their hands. God says, that illustration I just gave you, I'm comparing it to the work that you're doing for me. And what they offer there, this remnant that had returned to rebuild the Lord, what they offer there, God says, is unclean. Sanctification or holiness, righteousness cannot be transferred. But defilement, unrighteousness can be. Disobedience of the people was like a dead thing in their midst that was contaminating everyone. You see, disobedience to God makes hearts unclean and thereby makes the service that we do with our hands unclean. No matter how much good we try to do, no matter how much service you do in student ministries or children's ministries or evangelism or worship or singing or preaching, no matter how much service you do with your hands, if your hearts are unclean, Haggai says, and the Lord would say today, it's still unclean. The purity of your heart is the most important thing. You see, Haggai says, now then, consider this. From this day forward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, God says, he asks another question, how did you fare? During those 16 years of disobedience, remember when we began this story of Haggai, when we picked it up, there had been 16 years of disobedience. And God is speaking through Haggai and he's asking the people to remember those 16 years of disobedience. And he's saying, how did it go for you during those 16 years of disobedience? How were things then when you were living in sin, living in disobedience, not doing what I had called you to do? Remember, it was exactly three months to the day when they had responded in obedience. We can see it 
You know what I'm talking about. If we go back to Haggai 1, this is from the first message that Haggai gives. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord. This is when the Israelites responded in obedience. It was on the 24th day of the month in the sixth month. So it was exactly three months ago to this day that the people of Israel obeyed God and responded in obedience. And now God is saying, before that, before you obeyed me, how did things go for you? Well, prior to that, and we have read it throughout the last three weeks, there was famine in the land. The people of Israel were planting crops, but they weren't harvesting. God says, you went to the wine vat and you sought to get 20 and there was only 10. It was the hamster on the wheel as they were living in obedience. God's blessing was not there, no matter how hard they worked. And God says, consider from this day onward. From the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, God says, consider. God says, think about it. Think about the byproduct of your disobedience. There was famine. In the previous message, just last week, remember we talked about how God didn't want the people of Israel to look back. Because if they looked back, they took their hands off what God had, to, God had them to do. Now God says, you want to look back at something? You want to think back at something? Don't think back on and compare how I'm working then, how I'm working now to how I work then. Think back to the time when you were disobedient. Think back what life was like during that season of disobedience. You see, no amount of sacrifice, no amount of work, no amount of good intention can ever outweigh the cost of disobedience. For those 16 years, the Israelites that had returned to Jerusalem out of exile were working on their old houses while God's house laid in ruins. But here's the thing. During those 16 years, they were still doing ritual worship. We talked about the festival of booths, the shelters last last week. They were still participating in the festivals during those 16 years. While living in their prosperous houses, while God's house laid in ruins, they still went to the ruins, to the foundation that was laid. They still offered sacrifice. So God's saying for 16 years, you still did all the right things on the outside, but you were living in disobedience. So no matter how much worship you give me, no matter how much offering you give me, no matter how many animals you sacrifice, no matter how much work you do with your hands, it's all in vain if you're living in disobedience. God's blessing will not be there. But then he points them, he said, but you did obey, God says. It's just a reminder. And he's proud of them in this moment. And he says, but you did obey. Three months ago on the 24th, you did obey and you got back to work. And because of that, God says, from this day on, I will bless you. You will be blessed and I will bless the work of your, your hands. I will bless your nation. I will bless my people because of your obedience. See, God's blessing comes when we are more concerned with the purity of our hearts than the performance of our hands. If I could, there are some here today, there's probably some that are watching online. And as I told you, 
Sin is basically disobedience to God. And there are some that you're, you're, you're treating your life with the Lord like, a, like a, a weight scale. And you're trying to do all of these good things, all of these good things that, that well, if I do enough good one day, I'll get to heaven. All of this good stuff that I'll do, it's gonna outweigh the sin in my life. And God says, no, I'm more concerned about obedience. All of those good things that we do are worthless if we are living in obedience. Once again, we see this message in the Old Testament and it's mirrored in the New Testament. Jesus echoes the very same message that Haggai did in 520 BC to the remnant that was in Jerusalem. Jesus and Matthew calls out the most powerful religious leaders of the day because they were more concerned about the work of their hands than the purity of their hearts. And if you could put yourself back and imagine being a re- one of the most popular pastors in the nation, if you will, seen by the outside as one of the most holy people, the scribes, the Pharisees, look what Jesus says to them. This is how he responds. It's Matthew. Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, Jesus calls them. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, yet you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, such as justice, mercy, and faithfulness. The things that God had called them to be obedient to, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He says you've ignored that. Though you ought to have done without neglecting, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Then he says you are blind guides. He says, you're straining out a gnat while swallowing a camel. But he doesn't stop there. Jesus says, woe to you, scribes. He says it again, Pharisees, you guys are hypocrites. For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and plate that the outside may also be clean. Jesus says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. If you want God's blessing on your life, Jesus and the prophet Haggai says, be more concerned about the purity of your hearts, obedience to God, than the performance and the work of your hands. And as a church, corporately, as we seek the Lord's blessing, not just with the construction of the hub, but in this season where we are running errands with the Lord, we can spin our wheels doing wonderful ministry. You can sign up to serve. You can, again, teach children, minister to kids club. You can minister and love in the community, feed the poor, take care of the homeless. You can sing in the choir and play instruments. You can come in here and lift your hands and worship and work as hard as you can. But if we disobey God, Jesus is saying and Haggai is saying it's all for naught because it's the obedience of your heart that matters. 
if we're not clean on the inside, if we're not living righteous lives in obedience to God, we're no different than the Israelites in Haggai's day. And no matter how many errands that we try to run for the Holy Spirit, they will all be in vain because we're disobedient and we're unclean. So as the Lord birthed this message, my plea to all of us, including and beginning with me as your pastor, is that if we want God's blessing to come and be upon us, we have to place his priorities, his errands over above our personal agendas. If we want God's blessing, we have to see and trust his perspective that he sees things that we don't. And we cannot be short-sighted and trust our view over God's. But even above that, if we want God's blessing, we have to be so concerned, more concerned about the purity of our hearts, being obedient to God, living holy and righteous lives than we are the performance of the hands and the work that God has called us to do. I would love us to take a little time and end, and I'm gonna do this in each of the services. If you're watching online, I encourage you to do it too. I want us to pray. I want you not only to self-examine your heart and say, Lord, reveal. If there's an uncleanliness in me, if there's disobedience in me and unrighteousness, Lord, would you reveal it? And when he does, I ask that you repent. And I am gonna ask that corporately we pray as a church, Father, that we would have clean hands and pure hearts so that our work would not be in vain. I'm gonna give you time to pray and then I'll close this in just a few moments. Heavenly Father, we come before you today with a repentant heart. The truth is, it's really easy to get focused on doing things for you and ignoring the uncleanliness in our hearts and our thoughts, the words that are spoken from our lips the actions, the things that we do that are in disobedience to your word. We repent. We come before you and ask you to forgive. We pray the blood of Jesus Christ over our minds, our hearts, our lips. Would you consecrate us today? I pray that over our church corporately. Lord, we don't want to be so consumed with constructing, with building, with ministry and programming and on and on and on, things that take so much energy and time when if we get distracted and ignore the sin that's in our own life, 
We repent of that today. I echo David's words. Search our hearts, test our thoughts. Father, from this day forward, we do consider. As you ask that question to the Israelites, consider your ways. We consider today. Finally, I pray for those here that have come in or those that may be watching this on video. And they have strived to do all they can to outweigh the bad in their life. I pray that they would receive your grace, that it is by faith and allegiance alone to you, that they would realize (laughs) there is no amount of good they can do to outweigh the sin that is in their life. So in this moment, I pray that they would confess their sin that they would surrender their life to you. And that in this moment, they would have a peace that passes all understanding and they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt and in their spirit, they would sense that they have been forgiven and they have been cleansed by the blood of the lamb. We love you. We thank you for your word, which is truth. Amen.